I remember speaking with my therapist and she was saying, is that the truth? And I said, yeah. And she goes, well, is that the whole truth though? Mm. And she goes, you don't have to say it to me, but make sure you're saying the whole truth to yourself. This is Here After, and I'm your host, Megan Devine, author of the best-selling book, It's Okay That You're Not Okay. This week on the show, best-selling author Alex L. joins us to talk about her new book and what healing really means. That big, broad discussion coming up right after this first break. Ready to bring some spring vibes indoors? Bare Premium Plus Paint is here to make it happen, and it's starting at only $28.98 a gallon at the Home Depot. Picture your kitchen coming to life by adding a pop of blue with the bare exclusive color Arrowhead Lake. And let's not forget your living room. Picture it drenched in the lush, verdant tones of Amazon jungle, breathing new life into your space with every glance. Head into your bathroom and let the cool breeze of sea glass wash away all your stress. And when the morning sun peeks through your bedroom window, feel the warmth and comfort of a spring sunrise with shades like coral cloud and dark crimson. Whatever your inspiration, start your spring with a durable finish that resists dirt and grime to last all season. And let your creativity bloom with Bare Premium Plus paint, starting at just $28.98 a gallon at The Home Depot. How doers get more done. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City Featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Farm to store in days, not weeks. That's 80 Acres Farms. Did you know most salads travel over 2,000 miles to reach your plate? But not 80 Acres Farms. Their crisp salad greens and herbs are food less traveled. They stay fresher for longer in your fridge. My salad lasts all week long, which means less food waste and easy meal planning. Oh, and did I mention there's zero need to wash these greens? Because 80 Acres Farms uses zero pesticides. Visit 80acresfarms.com to learn more and find their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter. Before we get started, one quick note. While we cover a lot of emotional, relational territory in each and every episode, this show is not a substitute for skilled support with a licensed mental health provider or for professional supervision related to your work. Hey friends. So if you know me at all, you know I'm a huge fan of writing as a process for self-discovery, for processing, and just making general sense of the world. Writers who write for their own self-care tend to be really cool people. Best-selling author Alex L. has a long history of writing and healing stretching way back to her childhood. She teaches workshops on writing to heal, she hosted the podcast Hey Girl, and still co-hosts the podcast Daily Walk. 
Her books include After the Rain, Gentle Reminders for Healing, Courage, and Self-Love, Notes from a Wanderer, and her new book, How We Heal. I told you, she's been writing for healing for a really long time. In today's show, we cover a big range of territory, from motherhood to community healing to the incredible power of telling yourself the truth about your own life. I hope you enjoy it. Alex, welcome to the show. I am so glad to speak with you today. There's so much we can talk about, but I think one of the places that I would love to start is with writing itself. One of the favorite things that I learned about you as I was preparing for our time together was you said that you wrote your first book all of those years ago because a friend of yours said you should stop hoarding your stories. Mm -hmm. Can you tell me about that? Yeah. So first of all, thanks for having me. I can't wait to dive into this chat with you. So I've always been a writer, always. Um, I'm the only child, so I used storytelling and stuff as a kid often. I don't know if you remember like the little karaoke machines that had the microphone externally and then you could like put a tape in and record yourself. So I used to yes. <laughs> I used to do that with my stories. So I would have like these novella style soap opera <laughs> stories on tape because that's just what I did. And so I feel like if those still exist somewhere, they could be really interesting. Oh my God. They would be <laughs> gold. Totally gold. Okay. So I've always been a writer. I've always used writing as the self-soothing tool, as storytelling tool, as a boredom tool. And it wasn't until I started doing my deep healing work or trying to around 19, 20, 21 in that span where I learned the benefits of writing to heal, writing to recap or to purge, but really to figure out and, and become more self-aware and more self-accountable and more self-trusting. And so when I had stepped into that realm of my writing, I started writing notes to self and poetry. And a friend of mine said, you know, stop hoarding your stories and your happiness. You never know who might need your voice. She was older than me. And I believe that was her her healing wisdom shining through because I hadn't quite gotten there yet. And I'm like, who would want to read a book from me? I was 23 when I wrote my first book. I'm 33 now. That was 10 years ago. And she said, you never know. And I did it. And along with, you know, my then boyfriend, now husband, his support and a couple other friends who were in my corner, I did it. I self-published my first book and it was really just for me. But I think universe, God, spirit had other, I mean, clearly had other plans because I am five books in, three journals in and teaching this work for a living. And I just think it's interesting how when we let our stories and our healing take root in our lives in new ways, it can have this deeply overwhelming impact on our community. And that's yeah. what happened. Yeah, which is amazing. Like, I love that orientation or that foundation of I write this way for myself first, mm -hmm. right? And then letting that notes to self, which is that that starting place for you, letting those that note to self be a gift to the world to see where other people, like where that overlapping Venn diagram of self is yeah. in the readership. Yep. I just think there's something deeply beautiful about like feeling less alone in our stories too, which mm, yeah. is, you know, valuable. 
It's totally valuable. Sticking with sort of craft of writing for a second, I mean, I've been a writer much like you, like my entire life writing to myself, and I wish I could find those journals from when I was 11. (laughs) Mixture of awe and horror probably for myself. But when I teach writing as well, a lot of what I hear back is the writing saved me sentiment. Mm -hmm. What does that mean for you? Does that resonate for you? Like writing saved me? What does that what does that even mean? Writing not only saved me, but it changed me. It changed Mm -hmm. my relationship with myself. It allowed me to actually start listening to myself. So something that I do a lot, especially with my students and clients who may be kind of intimidated by writing practice is, okay, if you don't want to go to the page yet, that's fine. But voice note journal, and then go back and listen to yourself, listen to your own words. And Mm. I think that that's really how I found the harmony with my writing practice and with my healing practice is not only writing, but listening to my writing or listening to my own thoughts before taking it to my writing. So yeah, it saved me, it changed me. And I mean, it has shown me a lot about the possibility. I mean, my work is deeply rooted in healing and self-awareness and less about self-improvement and self-help and more about self-nurturing. Like how do we want to show up in our lives for ourselves so that we can then trickle down and, and support our communities. And so that in itself is like game changing, you know? And mm-hmm. so that's what writing has offered me. It's been multifaceted. I love that you have to listen to yourself thing. And I, I think that's why a lot of people don't write mm-hmm. because you, it's really hard to lie to yourself on the page. I mean, you can try, but then you'll be like, oh, that like that's literally a lie. So <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, like you can see it when you do it. Yeah. Like it's, whew, yeah. man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember reading that you said that you have your your students do notes to self as an exercise and that talking to yourself in that way is often the hardest thing mm-hmm. for people. Because I think like you, you can't lie to yourself and you have to listen and then you have that knowledge and what are you going to do with it? That's the part. Once you hear yourself tell yourself the truth, then it's a conscious effort to ignore that truth or to find ways to live into it. Mm-hmm. Yep. I don't really have anywhere to go with that because like I feel that in myself too as a writer who writes for myself as well as for public consumption. Mm-hmm. Like there's that self and other thing about writing there was a there was a post you you put up on Instagram a few months ago now i think soon after your hit, your last book hit the new york times bestseller list of like i am exhausted bye. <laughs> and i don't want to play this i don't want to play this game anymore bye everybody it's been fun <laughs> right like <laughs> literally bye <laughs> Ooh, yeah so there's like there's always i feel like for writers there's there's always speaking for myself here there's always that those two faces of the act of writing. There's the way that we write to serve ourselves and our own healing. And there's the healing work that we put out into the world. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Oh, it's, it's emotionally exhausting. Before, you know, we started, I told you, you asked me how today was. I was like, today's been great. I just woke up from a nap. And, you know, just, I have literally given myself permission to slow down and just coming off of a book tour and press and my creating a book is I have three human children and lots of book children. So I often joke like making a book is like 
having a child in a way. It's a rebirth. Every time I write a new book, I feel reborn. Just like every time I have a new baby, I feel like a, a whole shedding is happening, right? And I'm in my postpartum book period. I know that sounds mm. so extra and over the top, but I really feel like it's time to do nothing for three months. It's time to settle, rest, recalibrate, and then find your words. And I don't feel bad about it at all. You can't keep giving from empty. I love that analogy of postpartum, the postpartum period after a book launch. It's like there is so much work that happens behind the scenes before you even start typing. Yes. And then so much work after the baby comes out into the world to make sure that the medicine you intend gets delivered. Mm-hmm. And then yeah, also is- reminding people like, hey, I just put a book out. Like, go read it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. That the machine of like, this, this is for you. Please find it. Especially with the messaging we get around social media and, mm-hmm. you know, constantly having to produce is so detrimental to our mental wellness and our creative health. Like it, it, it just is. And so when people are like, oh, you haven't posted. I'm like, I just wrote a whole book. <laughs> It's there. I wrote you a whole book. I wrote please you a go whole find that book. It's for you. Go find it. And then, yes, and, then pe- and then some people, you know, of course, they're new to the platform or they're new to my work. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, I had no idea. I just bought all the books. I just bought all five and the journals. And so it's allowing myself some breathing room and also giving the community breathing room from mm. constantly consuming. And a lot of times mindlessly, even if it's mindfulness content, Many of us are so caught in like a vortex of constant consuming and digesting of other people's thoughts, behaviors, writing, art. We don't even know what's ours anymore. And so stepping Mm. back and giving people breathing room from what we are creating, I just think is wonderful. So that's where I am. I think that's an amazing way of phrasing that, that as a creator, taking a step back to care for and nourish yourself and rest is actually a gift to your audience as a gift to the world because it's saying like take a beat with this Mm -hmm. stuff Mm -hmm. even if what you're consuming on a minute by minute basis is quote-unquote healing work are you doing that as a way to not digest it to not hear your own voice what we what we started started talking about at the the top of the conversation right Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. Once you start telling yourself the truth, then you have to listen to yourself or decide not to. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love that idea as somebody who is creatively depleted (laughs) (laughs) a lot of the time, Mm -hmm. right? Like taking that, taking that step backwards is backwards. Backwards is the wrong word there, but taking that step back Mm -hmm. to turn in Seeing that as a gift to the audience, I think is a really cool way for creators raising hand here. Um, (laughs) creators to allow that rest to happen yeah, is really cool. Now we've been talking about healing this whole time and so much of your work is around healing. And I wonder for you, if you're, if you're ready to move on into this, this topic, like let's separate it into two if you want to. And if you don't, that's fine too. But like, where does your healing and your writing intersect with grief? Mm. What's the relationship there for you? Everywhere, Mm. everywhere. And another thing I want to add to that is my healing also intersects with joy Mm. because I think so many of us are 
conditioned to and used to healing the hurts, tackling the trauma, peeling back the layers of the pain, but we're not necessarily encouraged to actually be with our joy, be with the joy that comes up in the midst of our brokenness, in the midst of our grief. So a lot of my healing practice these days has actually been joy work and knowing how to stop, celebrate, relish in joy, and also be mindful of just acknowledging it when it shows up, just like the grief. We have to acknowledge the things that are in front of us in order for us to move through them. I don't really believe in like moving on from things because some things will always feel tender, or always hurt or never change. And moving through life with those things in a way that allows us to find self-soothing and joy and love in the midst of the things that may be tender, I think is deeply important. So I feel like my writing work is heavily centered on yes to healing, yes to honoring grief, but also yes to leaning into the celebration of joy. Because it really, healing really is at the end of the day, a radical act of self-choosing and self-advocacy, which we can't talk about those things without also talking about joy and having that be a part of our healing toolbox. I think that's so important, such a such an important way of phrasing it too. It's like the it's like timeshare in the psyche, right? That I, I feel like the way that joy or maybe joy light gets promoted in pop psychology, in media is like you can't grasp joy if you're holding on to grief. And what I hear you mm. saying is, hold on here. There's a whole stew of emotion and experience. And it's not binary. It's not one or the other. It's everything. Yes. And I think a lot of people struggle with their healing practice because they think they have to be down and out and fixing. Mm. And Sometimes that's where we we will be. But also there are certain things like I know for me that I am continuing to heal through and I'm still making space for joy and honesty around my grief. I was speaking a few weeks ago to a group of folks and I said, sometimes we don't need to be fixed. We just simply need to be witnessed. And I think that that's a big part of our healing is to just bear witness to what is in front of us without trying to like mend it. We don't even know what we're mending sometimes. I mean, a lot of us have so much trauma and shit that we're dealing with and wrestling with. It's like, where do I even start? Sometimes the starting is just the witnessing. Like, okay, this is where this hurts. This is in my body where I'm carrying this. Or I remember when that happened and that's how I felt 10 years ago. Like literally just witnessing, not necessarily going back to try to dismantle and repair, but just to look at it and see where spirit leads. Yeah, the power in acknowledging and telling yourself the truth. Again, it goes back to what we were talking about with the power of storytelling Mm -hmm. and writing your own story to yourself and listening Mm -hmm. to it. It's that act of listening, Mm -hmm. right? That you have to see what has been true for you. I also really, I mean, we know I really love the idea of not fixing things, but that (laughs) there is such power in saying ouch and also in saying yay but right in the moment we're talking about saying ouch like there's so much power in that and that that is in a lot of ways the full stop exercise you don't have to go back there and like 
okay, I, you know, I'm starting to work on childhood grief and loss and trauma and what I didn't get in the world. And I have to just dive in there and get messy with it and wrestle with it. And whoo. And also maybe there is great healing. What I hear you saying is there's great healing in telling yourself the story of what was and the effect that it's had on you and just noticing like this is actually mindfulness, right? Mm -hmm. Just noticing, holding, sitting next to it, like coming up close to it because so many of us are deeply distant from ourselves and from our truth. And so back to the whole truth telling is like, we need to be honest with what we're feeling, how we're feeling. And that's the first step, not and, but be honest. The other things will come to complete full circle with honesty. It may be challenging. It may be like, I don't understand what she's trying to say there. Like I've been honest, but like, I know when I thought I've been honest and I'm, you know, teetering on the line of, withholding as well. So mm -hmm. I remember speaking with my therapist and she was saying, is that the truth? And I said, yeah. And she goes, well, is that the whole truth though? Mm. And she goes, you don't have to say it to me, but make sure you're saying the whole truth to yourself. Yeah. And I just remember being like, oh damn, I guess she's probably right. <laughs> yeah. Therapists, <laughs> therapists who say things like that. It reminds me of a friend of mine talks about writing about the things you can't write about. Mm -hmm. And that the story that you just told reminds me of that. Like if it doesn't feel safe enough or you don't, you don't have the space to be able to tell yourself the full truth and tell that story, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Telling the story of what it's like to not be able to tell the truth right now. That in itself is magic. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That is a truth right now. Yep. Yeah. And that counts There's, for something a lot. Oh my gosh, it counts for so much because you're still you're still doing our truth-telling mechanism of action for the good of your healing, right? You're telling yourself the truth is I don't feel resourced enough or supported enough mm -hmm. to be able to even tell myself the truth about what's happening right now. Mm -hmm. Okay, then we can take the step backwards and, or backwards. I keep saying backwards and it's not what I it's such a it's such an implied regression and that's not where I'm going, but taking a step outside of that and saying what do I need for myself mm -hmm. knowing that I, it's not safe to tell the whole truth right now? Mm -hmm. What's the truth in caring for myself inside not being able to tell the whole truth? Love that framing. It's like, it's such, it's such a kindness. Mm -hmm. And so, something interesting happened today. So I mentioned I have three children. My oldest is 15. My youngest is three. My middle will be five next week. So we have an array of ages in the house, all girls, and they are so wonderful. And my oldest is a freshman in high school. And she texted me today and she said, mom, can I call you? And I said, yeah, what's going on? Are you okay? She said, no, I'm not okay. So she calls and she's crying and she's having a moment. We're talking through the moment. And I just said, remember what the truth is and what your truth is you have the answers to this already. And she did. And she goes, yeah, I know. I know what I need to do. And it was around schoolwork and stuff. And she's kind of a perfectionist and used to being straight A student. And like, she's just adjusting to being a high schooler in, in AP honors classes. And it's hard. And I just said, listen, I'm, she was like, I just think you're going to be disappointed. And like, I'm not disappointed. Papa won't be disappointed. You might be disappointed. So that's maybe where this truth is coming from. 
for you? And she goes, yeah, it is. I said, okay, well, I am here to support you. Whatever you need from me to help you stay organized, to help this end of the marking period feel good for you. But only you can handle this. Mama's not in high school anymore. Thank God. (laughs) Okay. My poor, my poor, sweet soul of a girl is like just trying to balance it, figure it out. Part of being a human, right? And she, and she is. She also said, I know what I need to do by the end of our conversation. Mm -hmm. And so that feels good because even when things may not be going how we want them to go, we can still make it back to the truth. Mm. And I think that that's something really beautiful. And as a mother teaching my children self-love through gentleness and through truth telling and through, okay, let's talk about the hard thing here and see what's going on. Like that is such a gift for our lineage. I talk about this in how we heal When we heal ourselves, we heal each other, we heal our lineage. And so I'm sharing that little bitty story because one, being a caretaker is not easy, but it's beautiful work if we're leaning in with intention. And two, we have to show our children, whether we're raising them or they just are in our lives in some capacity, God, kids, nieces, nephews, whatever, like we are giving, they're watching us, they're bearing witness mm-hmm. to us, right? And so we're giving them the tools with our responses, with our, you know, with what we don't say. And it's like, how do we make sure that we're nurturing and healing and growing our lineage in a way that is healthy and also rooted in truth? Yeah. And it's not that you're going to present this like, I have my shit together persona mm-hmm. to the the people who are watching you for a living. Mm-hmm. I hear this a lot with grieving families. They're like, I, you know, my kids lost their other parent and I don't want to be sad around them. And, you know, I have to have myself together and emotionally calmed, like all of this stuff. Mm-hmm. And of course, you want to do things in an age appropriate way. You don't want to be sobbing on your four year old shoulder, mm-hmm. leaning on them like you would a therapist. But at the same time, it's like being able to say this is really difficult right now and here's how I'm handling it. Mm -hmm. How are you handling it? Mm -hmm. And I love that you bring in like reminding someone of the truth that they already know. Mm -hmm. That's very different than dismissing them and saying you figure it out, right? Like what's the difference for you between you figure it out and calling somebody into their own truth? Ready to bring some spring vibes indoors? Bare Premium Plus Paint is here to make it happen. And it's starting at only $28.98 a gallon at the Home Depot. Picture your kitchen coming to life by adding a pop of blue with the bare exclusive color Arrowhead Lake. And let's not forget your living room. Picture it drenched in the lush, verdant tones of Amazon jungle, breathing new life into your space with every glance. Head into your bathroom and let the cool breeze of sea glass wash away all your stress. And when the morning sun peeks through your bedroom window, feel the warmth and comfort of a spring sunrise with shades like coral cloud and dark crimson. Whatever your inspiration, start your spring with a durable finish that resists dirt and grime to last all season. And let your creativity bloom with Bare Premium Plus paint, starting at just $28.98 a gallon at The Home Depot. How doers get more done. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury 
the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Did you know that most salads travel over 2,000 miles to reach your plate, but not with 80 Acres Farms? Their crisp salad greens and herbs are food less traveled, going from farm to store in days, not weeks. They stay fresher for longer in your fridge. My salad lasts all week long, which means less food waste and easy meal planning. Oh, and did I mention there's no need to wash these greens? Because 80 Acres Farms uses zero pesticides. Visit 80acresfarms.com to learn more and find their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter. Hey, before we get back to the show, I want to tell you about a new way to connect with me. Each and every month, I host a live video call-in show. If you've ever wished you could talk to me directly, this is by far the easiest way to do it. All of the information is at patreon.com backslash Megan Devine, and you can also find that link in the show notes. I hope to see you there, everybody. All right, let's get back to my conversation with best-selling author Alex L. What's the difference for you between you figure it out and calling somebody into their own truth? That's a really good question because I was raised with you figure it out. Mm -hmm, Same. You know, and kids are to be seen and not heard. And you do what I say in this house. Like I very much that was raised like that. And I knew that I did not want to bring that into my home with my kids. (sighs) Here's the thing. We don't have to tell folks our children or not to figure it out because people freaking know that they need to figure shit out. (laughs) Right. right? So we don't have to remind people to figure it out because everyone is freaking trying their best. So that's unhelpful. (laughs) That's unhelpful that people are figuring it out. So that's one thing I would say, let's stop using that language because it just compounds the stress and the internal emotional chaos. And then lovingly calling somebody in is more for me when I hear that, I hear asking questions. How are you feeling right now? Why do you think this is happening? You know, when we were talking about school today, okay, so why do you think this is happening? And then she told me, I'm like, do you think that's true? She goes, I know that that's true, right? So mm. talking, this is how I work with my clients and how I've now started, I mean, I don't, coach my 15 year olds but I'm her mama I mama her this is how I mama her like (laughs) I just I just ask questions and also I offer reframes like as an outsider looking in sometimes we may be able to offer a different perspective and so I'll ask like can I share what what I'm seeing sometimes she'll say yes sometimes she'll say no Mm. the asking is so important though Yes. Getting that permission before we jump in with our take on things, which is which is so hard, just so hard, so hard. <laughs> There's a lot of lip biting and sitting on hands, man. Yeah. And I mean, I think about that 
with grief too. I, I um, have a friend who lost her sister and her dad within the same year. Mm. And um, we were on FaceTime and we were talking and she uh, got emotional and started crying and just was talking her way through and was crying and doing it. And I know that our first human instinct is to be like, oh, don't cry. Oh, it's okay. But I act like she wasn't even crying. I mean, I was just talking and she's having a moment and I'm going to hold this. I have the capacity. I'm going to hold this moment steady for her. Mm. And at the end of what she was saying, she goes, thanks for not fixing my tears or trying to fix what's me being sad. Thank you. And I said, I love you. You're welcome. Because I remember growing up, my mom always saying, tears don't solve problems. Tears don't fix anything. So I never was allowed to grieve. I don't think I started grieving until I turned 30. And that was almost four. I'll be 34 this year. And so it's interesting what happens when we become adults and we have to unlearn the things that we picked up in childhood. And then we have to model the way that we want to be in the world without having an example. Well, no one taught me how to be a mother. No one taught me how to be warm and nurturing. I had to figure that out on my own. No one taught me how to hold space and not try to fix someone's tears. I had to figure it out on my own. And I think it's, for me, a part of my healing and grief work is what did I need that I didn't get? And how do I hold myself and my community in a way that I wished that I was held? So I think that's really what healing and calling in and grief and the intersection of joy and everything. It's really like an emotional onion. Like that's really kind of how I look at it. It's so multifaceted. There's all these different stepping stones that bring us home to ourselves. I love that image of holding the moment steady for someone. Not jumping in to fix something is so unusual. Because mm-hmm. it is hard. It's the way that we're trained, right? Through every possible influx like trained if somebody is having a moment you need to get them out of that moment Mm -hmm. so not acting on that impulse right and and you know your friend saying thank you for not fixing it like it's such a rarity to be able to in your emotions in your truth in your grief in whatever is going on for you to feel like you have the space to feel it without being rushed out of it that is the thing i wrote something about rushing this week Mm. And I want to read it to you because I was often rushed as a child and something that I'm learning, what learning not to do is rush in my life. So my word of the year is nourishment Mm. and I am deeply leaning into finding alignment and nourishment and slowing down. And so can I read to you what I wrote about rushing? It says, give yourself permission to slow down. Slow down in your relationships, slow down in rushing to say yes, slow down instead of immediately saying no. Allow yourself to practice the sacred act of ease and intentional processing. You don't have to know what's next today. You don't have to know how you feel at this very moment. You're allowed to pace yourself, to think about things, and you are allowed to process. Release the idea that you've got to know and solve and address things right now. You don't. Slow down. I just think that that's so important because we live in a world that teaches the complete opposite. And so I just wonder what would happen if more of us slowed. 
studied. Yeah, thank you for that. Mm -hmm. I feel like there's that implied finish line in healing work of any kind. That means we have to keep moving and we have to keep moving forward, right? That if you aren't actively working your healing, you're doing it wrong, mm -hmm. which is just such trash. Total trash. It's not true. It's a lie. It's not true. It's not true. <laughs> There's something that you've said before that's kind of related to this. Give yourself permission to heal from the same thing more than once. Mm -hmm. I feel like those those are related sentiments, what you just shared about slowing down and taking space and making a, a nourishing pacing for yourself in your life. And this idea that you can heal from the same thing more than once. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think we're all doing it every day. I think mm -hmm. often about my husband who lost his mom six years ago. And he said, that is never not going to hurt. That is always going to tear me up. And that is okay. So giving ourselves permission to self-soothe through those triggered moments, through those super tender moments, through those deeply painful wounds, I think it's how we take our power back. I know for me, I struggle with a lot of childhood trauma and neglect and abandonment and really harsh treatment from my caretakers. And that will hurt me forever, especially as I look at my children. I'm like, how could anyone not want to just make things better and easeful and loving for their child? And so that's inner child work that I will be tending to and patching up and giving kisses until I can't. I share things like that because so many folks think healing is this arrival, but really it's a forever love that teaches us and calls us in to learn how to hold steady for ourselves. I mean, really, that's what healing is. It's a practice. It's a lifestyle practice. And um, it's so much more than the hurt. It's also the joy. Like, healing has allowed me to create a beautiful, loving home for my children, has allowed me to be in deep partnership and friendship with my husband has allowed me to have really impactful, nourishing sisterhood friendships, all because of the healing work I chose to do. And that's joyous. So when I say healing is also this radical act of joy, like that's what I mean. It opens up so many doors for emotional expansion in really beautiful ways. Yeah, it doesn't mean that thing that the things that hurt don't hurt anymore. That's it the means, part, right? Yeah, because I think if we don't allow ourselves to come into relationship with the things that hurt, all of that energy goes to suppressing it. We can't liberate the life force of the things that hurt if we don't let them hurt. That's the thing. That's it. Yeah. The, again, truth telling. Where mm. does it hurt? That yeah. is that's and, major. Yeah, it's major. It is major and holding space for yourself. I'm I'm going to come back to that so many times that like steadying the moment mm -hmm. for yourself and for others. Mm -hmm. It's really for me like this is what builds a nourished, nourishing, joyful, creative life. It is not a life that doesn't hurt. It's actually a life that contains a lot of hurt because that is true. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's a bit of a leap, but we're talking about 
pain that we carry and coming into relationship with it. And I would love to widen our lens out a little bit and talk about the pain of the world, Mm -hmm. if that's okay with you. Mm -hmm. So I remember seeing a post that you put up soon after yet another mass shooting that happened in the last year. And you wrote, I feel like I've been crying for a lifetime. So the first question that I had for this is like, how do we balance healing work and a belief in joy in the world such as it is? I struggle with that, Mm. especially as a parent who sends their children out into the world to go to school. I think what has helped me soften some of the worldly anxieties that I have is savoring the now and the moment and being present with the right now. I mean, I walk through the world with OCD, depression, and anxiety as an adult. I take 50 milligrams of Zoloft every day. And so I know that if I don't hone in on some of the anxieties that I carry, it will literally make me feel outside of myself. Mm. And so when the last mass shooting happened with those little kids at that elementary school I was so sad like it hurt me on a different level and I wasn't one of the parents who lost their children I felt like all of those children were my children and all of that sadness was my sadness and all that pain was my pain and I really had to turn to Pema Children's work and Thich Nhat Hanh's work and try to make sense of This is crazy that there is so much pain in the world. Like I know those families wanted the world to stop just for a second. But even in that moment, people didn't know about the tragedy. People, you know, some people were everybody, not some people, everybody like time goes on. And that's what's Mm. so wild to me. I just lost my grandfather a month ago and I remember getting the news at the airport before I got on my flight home to DC and wishing that there was like a pause button. But the word I was it was the most strange thing. I'm looking around and everyone, there's people laughing, there's people just life is happening and I am dealing with this loss. It is wild. And so I think I don't want to say hope, but I think knowing that all I can control is myself is not always the most comforting thing because I wish I could control all these outside forces and keep my baby safe and keep these th- these terrible things from happening and stop people from dying and like, oh, of course, but we can't. So it's like, how do we hold the truth of that and still allow ourselves to live and to find joy? Me and my husband talk about this a lot, especially when it comes to underserved communities and poverty and things like that, right? And so it can be just deeply challenging to be like, whoa, only certain people had certain access to this, but so many people don't have access. So it's been like, how do we, it's like, I, I, I'm the type of person who's like, I just want to fix the world. So let's figure out how we can give everybody access, how we can take everybody's pain. But that's just, I wish that's how it worked. It's not how it worked. And so I don't know. I've just been holding a lot of space for the duality of joy and grief because as a, the Buddhists have said to live is to suffer, but how do we hold ourselves through the suffering that we are inevitably going to go through 
And I don't have an answer, which is probably why I'm rambling. But that's a really great question to talk through because it's like, I don't know. And what do I know to be Mm -hmm. true? And how do I process that? That's the thing there, right? It's like, I always get so irritated with like Buddhism light, right? With like pain, like life is suffering. So stop being so attached and it won't bug you, right? This really reductive transactional Mm -hmm. interpretation, very loose interpretation Mm -hmm. of some really powerful teaching. And I, I love the rambling way you just described that because it's like there is so much pain in the world and there is probably not a lot I can do about it. So what is what can in I my do? power? What can I do for myself, for the close-in community around me? Mm-hmm. How do I want to be engaging in the world or relating to the world knowing that there is a metric fuck ton of pain that I can do nothing about? Mm-hmm. It's It really is calling that that power of your own truth back to yourself and not lying to yourself that you're okay with the mess of the world or that you are powerless Mm -hmm. because that's also not true. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I feel that deeply. And I think too, there's also this sense of, I don't know if it's guilt, but maybe guilt where it's like, wow, some people are going to have it a lot worse than I ever have. And that, is terrible. And like, what do we do? Especially as someone who's a feeler, I'm a feeler. Mm. And I don't even watch, I cannot watch the news. I don't even listen to the news anymore. I just can't, I can't do it. It was literally draining my energy. I was just sad. Mm-hmm. And so as I'm thinking about what we were just talking about, and, and you mentioned like, what can I do in my immediate space? And I think my duty is to love on people, is to love these kids and raise them to be kind, compassionate, caring humans, and is to show up in my work and to keep writing these books and to keep giving away as many free books as I can when I can, and to to love on people, to smile at people when I'm on my walks, to say hello to the cashier, to ask how people are doing, to make eye contact. Like, that's what I can do. And I know that those things sound so small, And sometimes I'm like, that's not enough. But then I go back to the Target that I always go to and I go to the same cashier and I ask her how she's doing and we sit and we talk and holding up the line for 10 minutes and she's telling me how she's doing and I'm listening Mm. and I'm holding steady and I'm listening. And she's like, all right, baby, I'll see you next time. Come back to my line. Like that is leaving the world better. Maybe that made her whole day, you know? And so like it's those little things that we can do to do our part, be intentional with how we're moving through the world. That's what it, that's really what I, I, I've been leaning on doing. Be, how do, how can I serve by being intentional? Yeah. And holding steady at your point in the world, in this day, in this moment, in this relationship with this situation in front of me. It's not about pain or not pain. It's mm-hmm. not about fixing or not fixing. It's about how do I show up and see the truth in this and hold steady. Mm-hmm. I love this. That is something that I feel like that I can hold on to and I hope that other people can hold on to as well. I end every conversation during the season with the same question and you and I have sort of traveled at the outskirts of hope <laughs> off and on during our whole time together, but I, I'm gonna ask you this question anyway. Okay. So knowing what you know and living what you've lived, what does hope look like for you? 
a really beautiful question. What's coming to mind is hope looks like the possibility of coming home to myself, regardless of the season I'm in, the healing I'm in, the joy I'm in, the grief I'm in. I hope that I can always find my way home to myself and to my center. So that's what hope looks like for me. I love it. And this is a really good place for us to close out our time together because I'm going to go sit with your words with myself Mm -hmm. for a while and see what comes up into that moment. So we're going to obviously link to your book and your website and your social media in the show notes for today's show. Is there anything else you want people to know, where to find you, what to look for, what's coming up next for you? You can find me at wherever they plug the show notes. I'm there. (laughs) I have a small emotional wellness group coaching session that's coming up. It's a six-week session that starts in February, and I'm really excited about that. And I'll be doing three more this year, so once a quarter. So you can look out for that on alexl.com. And if you want a newsletter from me, I write a newsletter on Substack called Gratitude Journal. And it's a fun little place to be and, and reflections there. So you can find me there too. Awesome. We will link to all of that stuff in the show notes, everybody. Alex, thank you so much for being here. Thank Stay you. tuned, everybody. We'll be back with your questions to carry with you after this break. Ready to bring some spring vibes indoors? Bare Premium Plus Paint is here to make it happen. And it's starting at only $28.98 a gallon at the Home Depot. Picture your kitchen coming to life by adding a pop of blue with the bare exclusive color Arrowhead Lake. And let's not forget your living room. Picture it drenched in the lush, verdant tones of Amazon jungle, breathing new life into your space with every glance. Head into your bathroom and let the cool breeze of sea glass wash away all your stress. And when the morning sun peeks through your bedroom window, feel the warmth and comfort of a spring sunrise with shades like coral cloud and dark crimson. Whatever your inspiration, start your spring with a durable finish that resists dirt and grime to last all season. And let your creativity bloom with Bare Premium Plus paint, starting at just $28.98 a gallon at The Home Depot. How doers get more done. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Did you know that most salads travel over 2,000 miles to reach your plate, but not with 80 Acres Farms? Their crisp salad greens and herbs are food less traveled, going from farm to store in days, not weeks. They stay fresher for longer in your fridge. My salad lasts all week long, which means less food waste and easy meal planning. 
Oh, and did I mention there's no need to wash these greens? Because 80 Acres Farms uses zero pesticides. Visit 80acresfarms.com to learn more and find their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter. Each week, I leave you with some questions to carry with you until we meet again. Now, you know what really struck me in this conversation was when Alex said, give yourself permission to heal from the same thing more than once. So often I think we're really hard on ourselves, like when old wounds or old patterns or old habits come up and we're like, ah, I thought I did that work already. But it really is true that nothing about being human is a linear, do it once and you're all done process. Really nothing about human is linear like that. Everything is a continuum. So giving yourself permission to heal from the same thing more than once. I really like that. How about you? What stood out to you in this conversation with Alex L? Everybody's going to take something different from today's show, but I do hope you find something to hold on to. Hope really is a crowdsourced thing, and I definitely want to hear from you on all this. Check out Refuge and Grief on Instagram or here after pod on TikTok to see video clips from the show and leave your thoughts in the comments on those posts. Be sure to tag us on your own social media accounts and use the hashtag HereAfterPod on all the platforms so we can find you. We'd love to see where this show takes you, everybody. And remember to subscribe and leave a review. That stuff helps more than you could ever know. If you want to tell us how today's show felt for you or you have a request or a question for an upcoming episode, send us an email. You can do that right from the website megandevine.co. We want to hear from you. I want to hear from you. This show, this world, needs your voice. Together we can make things better, even when they can't be made right. Want more hereafter? Grief education doesn't just belong to end-of-life issues. As my dad says, daily life is full of everyday grief that we don't call grief. Learning how to talk about all of that without cliches or platitudes or simplistic, dismissive statements is an important skill for everyone. Find trainings, professional resources, and my best-selling book, It's Okay That You're Not Okay, plus the guided journal for grief at megandevine.co. Hereafter with Megan Devine is written and produced by me, Megan Devine. Executive producer is Amy Brown, co-produced by Elizabeth Fazio, logistical and social media support from Micah, edited by Houston Tilly, music provided by Wavecrush, and background noise provided by me being antsy in the chair and the chair being squeaky. <laughs> Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Did you know that most salads travel over 2,000 miles to reach your plate, but not with 80 Acres Farms? Their crisp salad greens and herbs are food less traveled, going from farm to store in days, not weeks. They stay fresher for longer in your fridge. My salad lasts all week long, which means less food waste and easy meal planning. Oh, and did I mention there's no need to wash these greens? Because 80 Acres Farms uses zero pesticides. Visit 80acresfarms.com to learn more and find their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter.
This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually, in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual.